0: Thank you, Ruth. Greetings, Bethany Community Church and friends tuning in from around the world. My name is Pastor Scott. I am the lead pastor for Bethany North and the executive lead pastor that works with our executive team. Happy Palm Sunday to you all. It is a uh, great privilege to be speaking today, as well as uh, a a big challenge, if, if I'm honest, to bring this word of triumph and peace in a time of anxiety. I don't know about you but for me it's just been it's been quite a week. I mean just in my house this week I am married I have four kids so all of a sudden now we're homeschooling parents once again and this week Our oven went out. Our hot water tank is on the fritz. Our our printer died. We're rationing supplies. I'm starting to feel like this is our Job moment. And then you look into the news. There's an earthquake in North Idaho. Locusts in Africa. Even this, I don't know if you saw this, outside of Dallas, a semi-truck hauling toilet paper caught fire spewing flaming toilet paper rolls around the interstate. It's like, all right, God, the joke is over. We've made it through April Fool's Day. When will this pass? We don't know and we don't have answers, but we gather today as a church to proclaim his power and his truth from the word of God to us, the people of God. So let's pray that he would open us up to that end now. Lord Jesus, thank you for Palm Sunday. Thank you that in the midst of this great disruption and chaos, you are the God over it all. You are the God who we can ask to be saved by. You have power and dominion and authority. And God, so we come to you right now in the midst of our fear and our anxiety, saying, Jesus, we still believe. So help our unbelief. God, bring a word to us today from your scriptures to help change our lives. We love you. And all God's people, wherever they gather, say, amen. Amen. Our message today is called Delivered by Disillusionment taken from Palm Sunday and Psalm 118, delivered by disillusionment. When I was a young boy, my grandmother had a hope chest, and in the hope chest was artifacts from the World War II. My my grandfather, Joseph, who I never got to meet, was a war hero. He was a paratrooper in the Second World War, and he and other heroes uh, paratrooped into Dachau to help liberate prisoners. And so people in in, uh, things of gratitude gave him gifts, German flags and Nazi swords. And and in the hope chest in my grandmother's upstairs bedroom was kind of artifacts and mementos from a dangerous time. I remember as a young boy looking through those artifacts and wondering, will I ever face anything that'll feel like that? Will there be mementos for my life in, in uh, places that, that I don't even know of, of things that will feel like a war? I was reflecting on that this week, because it's, it's, it's true that these artifacts from a dangerous time, even words that are spoken in the midst of war, have a legacy after them. Because if people can believe them in wartime, man, how might we continue to believe them in times of peace? You think about it in World War II, as Winston Churchill has said, we make a living by what we get, but a life from what we give. Or C.S. Lewis, who was asked to give a series of radio talks, which were titled Steady Words at War, became the, the foundation for his most important work, Mere Christianity. Or Corey Tinboom, who was a young woman, a watchmaker, who became part of the resistance movement, who said, when we look at the world, we're distressed. When we look within, we're depressed. But if we look at Christ, we'll be at rest. These words from war become Pieces of strength for us later. And as we segue to today's text, I would just say, church, this is our wartime moment. And no, the enemy is not another nation or a political party or someone else. We're at war with an unseen virus. And now, because of the impacts of the war, we're worried about money, we're worried about loneliness, we're worried about homeschooling and job, we're worried about long days and Zoom calls, we're, we're at war. Some of us are in the front lines, literally in the war to save people's lives, or in war to keep people safe, our police forces are or protecting our, our food delivery systems, all these things. It can feel so much like a war right now. And at the same time, we're entering into Holy Week, a time that's meant to be our eyes focused on the resurrection, that be a time of peace. What a dichotomy. What a radical season of disillusionment that in some ways is perfect for Palm Sunday. Because if we listen carefully today, if we lean in wherever we're watching from, God's got a gift for us. God's got a gift for us, a word for us, if we're ready and willing to be delivered from our illusions, because disappointment in itself can, can deliver us from the idols of our own comfort and help us, help us worship the true God who is Christ. That's what we're celebrating in Palm Sunday. Jesus came and the world's saying, Hosanna, literally save us, please help us, please. But they had no idea how differently what they were asking for and the deliverance that Jesus would offer. They had no idea how at odds they were. They were under an illusion, but Jesus came to set them free. And to speak the words that were, you know, kind of pointed to you all the way back at Psalm 118. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Psalm 118, which depending on your translation, literally comes right in the middle of your Bible. These words which are meant to be a truth for us. We are blessed not because of our external situations. We are blessed because of the presence of Christ in our lives as we're open to receiving Christ's spirit and then releasing that as a blessing into our homes, into our neighborhoods, into our cities, even amidst the quarantine. And Jesus came to live out these words. That, blessed is he who comes. It was said of these words that they were read in the book of Ezra when the the temple was dedicated. They read Psalm 118. Uh, Later, Psalm 118 would be quoted five times in the New Testament. Uh, Martin Luther, the great reformer, this was his favorite psalm. He had the words, I will not die, but live, hanging in his study, study. And so for us, these are special words for a world at war. It's better, says Psalm 118, to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in any man. The beautiful, mysterious, strange heart of our faith is that grief and loss are mixed with vision and hope. And our scriptures normalize grief, but advertise hope. And so today, Palm Sunday sets the stage for the disillusionment of Good Friday and and the ultimate truth of Resurrection Sunday. And it begins today. And so as we open up the scriptures from Psalm 118 and also from different uh, scriptures of Matthew's telling of Palm Sunday, we're gonna learn that God gives a person and not a plan. And that person, Jesus Christ is powerful and there is power even in pain. And so hear me closely, church, we can be delivered in disillusionment. Let's start here at the beginning. The plan is the person. The plan is the person. As we're teaching through Palm Sunday, what we call the triumphal entry is actually this Greek term, dikaios kaisozon, literally meaning righteousness and saving. It wasn't necessarily about triumph. Palm Sunday meant one thing, Jesus is here, but not in the way that you expect. Now, keep in mind, during his public ministry for three years, he's been relatively quiet on his identity, but not now. His time had come. He sent his disciples into the city, and then he tells them, if anyone asks you what you're gathering this donkey for, tell them the Lord needs it. Tell them the Lord needs it. The prophecy goes to Zechariah 9.9. Your king will come on a donkey. And so the people start saying these words from Psalm 118. God saves in highest places, Hosanna. And all four gospels give us different angles on the greatest story ever told, different angles of that, of this presentation of the king. Luke has Jesus weeping over Jerusalem. It didn't have to be like this, this angle of our Savior who laments. Mark 11 says that Jesus entered in Jerusalem and went into the temple courts and looked around at everything. And because it was late, he just was silent. Our Savior is quiet John, many people, because they had heard that Jesus raised Lazarus, they went out to meet him. Our savior heals. Matthew, when Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, who is this? They said, it's Jesus. Our savior has power. The city in Matthew is, is erupting, it's chaotic, it's stirred great, greatly. The city was literally quaking. This is a gigantic disruption that in the midst of Passover comes who they're calling the coming king. Typically in Jerusalem in the life of Christ, there was about 30,000 inhabitants, but scholars say during the Passover, there could be somewhere between 125 and 150,000 uh, spiritual pilgrims in the city. So it's, it's chaos. And that's the scene that Jesus enters into. And then the people are asking, who is this? They're looking for answers too. How do we make sense when, when, when we're kind of coming to grips with disillusionment? And the crowds say, he's the prophet. The same crowds who would call for his death not five days later, crucify. Be careful or if you're drawing your wisdom from the crowds because they don't know the plan either. But how you look for Christ reveals what you're looking for. How you look reveals what you're looking for. For the crowds, they were looking for their power back. Now, both the palms and the cloaks that the gospel stories enact are symbolic because as they were laying palms on on the street, as Jesus entered into Jerusalem, yes, it was a sign of respect. Yes, it was a tie back to Psalm 118, Hosanna, but there's something else going on. 150 years earlier, there was a Maccabean revolt led by this guy, Judas, the hammer Maccabeus. I'm not even making that up. The hammer, they called him, who had led this revolt and... And as a sign of the revolt, Judas Maccabeus had printed coins with palm fronds on it and had taken power back from the rulers of Jerusalem. So as Jesus is entering into Jerusalem, the people who had been, uh, you know, uh, overrun and overruled by the Roman people were saying, okay, we're getting our our, our authority back, our power back. This guy, Jesus, will give me what I want. That's what the the palm fronds were actually symbolic of. And then they, they were laying their cloaks on the road what does that mean they were laying their coats on the road as jesus entered into it this is really interesting because the laying the coats on the ground actually was a roman tradition to please the gods in in roman lore citizens spread cloaks on the streets to welcome gods and then later to welcome the uh, incoming conquerors when they would when they would conquer a new country the roman people would put cloaks on the ground to say welcome for more power to our kingdom So they were welcoming Jesus like a God or a warrior or a politician, but Jesus was never going to reign like that. He was never going to triumph in the ways that they expected. The crowd was calling for power and Jesus came with humility and with sacrifice. Hear me closely. The person of Christ is better than any plan that we can come up with. As disorientating as that is for us, no matter if our palms or cloaks, They couldn't make Jesus into the kind of king that they wanted. So what's it for us? What are we laying down amidst the coronavirus that we're asking Jesus to to, kind of be a king like we want him to be? Is it our travel plans, our graduation plans, our retirement plans, our plans for how we would spend our money or our time or our health? Man, we're, we're laying them down. And this one, Jesus, we just don't have any idea what the plan is, but we're given a person and not a plan. It's not our plan anymore. And so I'll say it again, how we look reveals what we're looking for. Worship flows out of relationship with the person of Christ, not plans. When we used to travel back in the pre-coronavirus days, once in a while, we'd get the opportunity to travel. And I've always found it intriguing when I traveled with my family, how when the, when the flight attendants would give the instructions of if, you know, if an emergency happens and oxygen falls from the ceiling, what do they tell you? They say, put your mask on first and then turn and help someone else. I thought that was intriguing because as a parent, especially traveling with young kids, it's like that feels counterintuitive. No, I need to run around and make sure everyone else has their oxygen mask. No, in times of emergency, connect to an oxygen source in order that you can help others. In this season, in the wartime that we're at, may you inhale deeply from the presence of Christ. May you be connected to an oxygen source in the midst of disruption and having no idea, God, what are you doing in the midst of the virus? May you be connected. Here at Bethany, we've created resources to grow your faith in the midst of this crazy time. And if you text DAILY to 64600, you can join a devotional movement we call the Global Monastery. You text DAILY to 64600. We want to send you resources through our Facebook page that you can be growing in Christ, that you can have oxygen in the midst of what might feel like a plane going down in your life. A disorder can be a gift. Disorder—we have no idea the plan, but the person of Christ can can be faithful to us. I learned this uh, firsthand, again and again, and again. But a couple of years ago, we were at the Young Life Camp Malibu, up in Canada. We went as a group from Bethany Community Church. We often go, though this year's trip is canceled. Uh, Men gather from all six of our Bethany locations and hundreds of men from around the Northwest end up at this Young Life camp for a weekend of, of restoration. And I was there as a speaker. I was there as a leader. I'm supposed to have the answers for other people. And yet I was in the season of feeling like, God, what are you doing with the plan of my life? It felt like disruption. I'd gotten some bad news before getting on the Malibu Princess. And then when you're up there in the middle of nowhere, there's no contact. I was cut off. And, and I felt like the entire weekend, the enemy was just speaking lies into my ear. You're nothing, man. You're, your faith isn't that strong, man. And the church you're trying to build, it's probably not going to last all weekend long, I'm there as a leader dealing with disappointment. I'm there supposed to be a resource to others. I'm struggling to, to take a deep breath of Christ myself. And then one night before the main speaker spoke, we, we were singing songs and you know, in this room with hundreds of different men singing, singing words out. And Eric and the band from Bethany led this incredible song, Lord, I Need You by Matt Mayer. And I'm sitting down front trying to just take a breath and all this discouragement, all this doubt, me speaking in, because those of us that leaders, those of us on stage, we're anxious too. We're worried too. We're fearful too. And God just had to remind me in this season, Scott, take a breath with me and I'll lead you through a season where you have no idea what the plan is for your life. We're singing this song out. Lord, I need you. Oh, I need you. Every hour I need you. And I'm seated in the front row and I'm just, I'm just a pile of tears hearing hundreds of men singing. It felt like singing with their, all of their might. It felt like the, the roof was gonna blow off of the old squawka where this worship service was happening. And we have no idea in certain seasons, particularly this, what is the plan? We only have the person of Christ that is our power source. And let's transition there that this person of Christ is powerful. Even when we're not experiencing it, Palm Sunday strips away our comforts to reveal our hearts. This Christ from Psalm 118 was rejected in order to become the cornerstone or the capstone this is the lesson for us Psalm 118 says the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone to hold the entire building together the Lord has done this and it's marvelous in our eyes the Lord has done it this very day let us rejoice today and be glad Lord save us Lord grant us success blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord from the house of the Lord we bless you the Lord is God and he's made his light shine upon us and so with bows in hand join the festal procession up to the horns of the altar you are my God and I will praise you you are my God and I will exalt you give thanks to the Lord for he is good his love endures forever this is the kind of king we have this is the the kind of peace and power that God wants to give us. That verse 27 of Psalm 118, the Lord is good. He's made his light shine upon us. So join the procession. But Palm Sunday reminds us that it's his procession, not our procession. It's not our procession. And so our thanks is predicated not on our triumph or an easy journey, but on Christ himself. A false procession, God, give me what I want and I will join your parade. A true procession is, hey, this is, God, deliver us. I want what you give, even if I have no idea what you're up to. And this becomes kind of the key to understanding Psalm 118, that God's identity doesn't hinge on our present situation, but his character is revealed in the end. It's revealed in the end. Psalm 118, you'll have to read it this week, but it's just full of all these stories where God showed up even when the psalmist had no idea what God was doing. Verse five, when I was hard pressed, I cried to the Lord and he brought me into wide open spaces. And that's good news, especially for those of us social distancing, right? In, in hard pressed, God brought me to wide open places. Verse six, I won't be afraid. What were mere mortals do to me? Verse 11, they surrounded me. Verse 12. They swarm like bees. Verse 13, I was pushed back and about to fall. Verse 14, the Lord's my strength and defense. Verse 17, I will not die, but live and proclaim what the Lord has done. And this virus and the resulting sickness has no power over our Christian identity. This virus and and what it's doing in our city has no authority over the spirit of God in you. Please receive that as truth today. It has every bit authority over our mere bodies and we're struggling to keep safe in that. But what our hope is, is not predicated on our physical health, our financial health, our emotional health, easy journeys. Our hope is in Christ. And so when we struggle, when the world is falling apart, we declare the capstone, the cornerstone, the God that will hold us together. This is the reality. In the absence of plans, then some of us start to be inclined to question his power. Verse 24 of Psalm 118 says, the Lord has done it this very day. So let us rejoice and be glad. This very day. Timing's of interest to us in modernity because the one thing pre COVID 19 that we were all short of was what? Time. We were all starved from time, from soccer practice and tutoring and evening meetings and gym classes. We were busy people. And all of a sudden, there's been this hard reset. It's interesting. We don't have the answers, but we know in the end how the story ends. Christ will hold us together. There's a piece this week in Time Magazine by N.T. Wright where he says, it's no part of the Christian vocation than to be able to explain what's happening right now and why. In fact, Wright says, this is provocative, but true. He says, it is part of the Christian vocation not to be able to explain and to be able to lament instead, to name our pain instead. As the spirit laments within us, so we become, even in our self-isolation, small shrines where the presence and healing love of God can dwell. Do you love that? And out of that place can emerge new possibilities, new acts of kindness, new scientific understanding, new hope. Lament and hope mixed together? Yeah, that's what the message is. That's what the scriptures have always said. You won't have a plan. You will have the person of Christ and that person has authority and that person has power. This is what Psalm 118 then ties into the Palm Sunday story. And I didn't even know until studying this week what's really incredible. Psalm 118 was the final psalm sung during a Passover meal. So in Matthew 26, when it talks about Jesus heading out where he would give his life for us, it says Matthew 26, 30, when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. They sung Psalm 118. Jesus did. This was his final words heading into the worst storm he would ever face. That his power wasn't about an authority here on earth. It was about laying down his life in service to his God. Incredible. And so I just want to remind you again, don't mistake fear of the virus or the anxiety we're all feeling right now or the pain of suffering of watching people get sick. Don't confuse that with the powerless God. And maybe this will be our moment as a church to be moved to action, to be moved to compassion, to be asking in faith for God to end this virus, to do a miracle. And while we wait for that, for, our, for our, our faith still to grow. And many are asking, what can we do right now? What can we do? What can we do? This is pretty simple. We can't start a bunch of programs. We can just be full of God's power in and of ourselves in order to be that blessing into the city. To to first of all, care for our neighbors in whatever practical ways we can. Or secondly, to serve the sick, the hurting, and the shut-ins. For those of you on the lines right now, risking your your health for us, we're so grateful. We're praying for your health. Third, launch virtual small groups. Our church is doing it. Or join prayer groups. Or or call friends or family. The the hunger for connection now is, is making us live differently. And lastly, just love your community and your city well. We've got this Seattle, not because of our power, because of his. This is the gospel message. We don't get what we want, but we're included in a story better than we can ever know the ending of. That kid that was looking at the hope chest that was me as a little boy. I mean, many decades from now, your, your legacy will be telling stories about these wartime moments about how your faith increased in the middle of coronavirus, about how you had to homeschool your kids and still work a job, how you learned to change your whole organization, how you, even in your sickness, how you clung to your hope of Christ. These are your legacy moments. This is the time to be the church and tap into his power, not our own. And that'll lead us into our final point here, that even in pain that there's power available, Even in struggle and suffering, God's power is real. Richard spoke a couple weeks ago that we move from order to disorder to reorder. And if that is the case, then Palm Sunday is a lens for us that there is a gift of disillusionment. There's a gift of disillusionment as things start to be the non-normal. We can say, Jesus, increase our faith. We can ask and pray. And even in pain, there is power available. Isaiah 53.5 says, he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And don't miss this. By his wounds, we are healed. As, by his wounds, we are healed. It doesn't quite make sense to us, but this was always going to be the plan that when Jesus came, by his wounds, we would find our healing, by his blood, that we would be covered over, by his grace, that we would be adopted into the family. And so, as the world starts to feel like it's dying, as Christians, our hope can be activated. It's happening, Lord. It feels like death, and I don't like this feeling very much, but I'm going to trust you that we're healed, not when we heal ourselves, but by his wounds. May that be our story. May this be our faith-defining time, power through wounds, even in pain. And in this way, disillusionment happens when our idols of comfort and knowing are replaced by the person of Christ. And as disillusionment happens, we tap into his power. We can find him even in our pain. And so may this be our prayer. God, will you deliver us from disappointment? God, will you work within us and remove our illusions of control and replace our fear and anxiety with faith and trust? It is no easy thing to get up here and preach this message to you because I'm scared too. I'm scared too. I'm absolutely petrified, but God's got us. He's got us. And these will be stories we'll tell on the far side that we became different because of what we suffered through this time. May our faith increase and may disillusionment that is painful set us free. Barbara Brown Taylor, a theologian uh, says this, disillusion, she writes, is when we find out what is not true and we're set free to seek what it is. If we dare to turn away from the God who is supposed to be in order to seek the God who is. Isn't that good? That's what disillusionment does. It allows us to seek the God who is. And so we name without apology that this time is a grief, and we name without apology that this time can be a gift. Both are true. If the Lord increases our faith, we're learning, we're learning in many ways how to be human again, how to have faith again, how this story of Palm Sunday and Good Friday to Easter makes sense again and may we like habakkuk 2 say put ourselves on the watch where god can speak to us and not into places where we're trying to control the outcome or self-medicate our anxiety or or hide in fear or anxiety. May we say the words of Psalm 118, verse 24. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. This is the day of God's love. This is the day. There's no other day that's been set before us. This is the life. There's no other life. And so in Christ, he dwells on you. May we as a church, may we as people hungering to have our faith increase, may we draw on the resource that is in Christ, that in, or, in disorder and disillusionment, there's a bright light that Christ can shine on us. Bright lights in dark places. Bright light that is Christ in the darkest time. In my own life, some of what's so hard right now is I'm a survivor of grief. I lost a child almost 11 years ago, and so I'm really worried about the people that I'm, cared, uh, that I'm caring for. I'm really worried about keeping people safe. I'm really worried. It was it was this room 11 years ago that we mourned and lamented a son that we never got to raise because he died. And uh, when I go back to that time, it was, it was chaos, it was disorder, it was disillusionment, there was no plan, I can tell you the story some other time, it was the worst time of our life. And about a month after the loss, my wife and I just looked at each other and said, we, we just need to go. We just need to go. We packed up our two kids at the time, our two-year-old and a four-year-old, my little boy and my little girl, and we drove to California. We were newly transplanted in Seattle, but our Christian community, many of them were in California. And we just wanted to be surrounded by people that knew us. We wanted to be covered in the shadow of, of Christian fellowship. And we wanted some sunshine. It was January in Seattle. We were just, we were done we're like, let's just go find some joy. Let's find people where Christ is dwelling. Let's be reminded of God's goodness. Let's, let's be reminded even in our horrible pain that God still has power for us. And so we drove to California and had dinner parties with all these different groups of people from our young life days and our church and my wife's seminary. And it was just so good for our soul. And we ended up on the, at the happiest place on earth. We took our two-year-old and four-year-old to, to Disneyland. We're a month after a, a, a memorial service to, to bury our, our son. And yet we're going to go to Disneyland and just cling to something good. And we got there and it's pouring rain. It's like, really, God? I mean, really? Southern California? Like, I get it. Like, really? Raining. We had to run out to Target. We're the Seattleites. We didn't even bring rain gear to California. We'd buy whatever rain stuff we can find. And we'd go back into the park. And here was this family, brokenhearted, trying to remember how to have joy again. And late in the day, with my kids all day, my daughter' time was four. And it's like, tell me we're going to see the princesses. Tell me there's going to be a parade. So the parade moment was really helpful for me earlier. Because all day long with the threat of rain, they're like, we don't know if there's going to be a parade. Don't get your hopes up, kid. And we're running around the park and riding the rides and getting soaking wet and just finding joy even in the midst of the worst pain. And later that day, we got down to Main Street, like, good news, there's going to be a parade. It's going to happen. We don't know about the fireworks, but we're, we're going to make the parade happen. And so as we just you know, lined up with all the other folks there on Main Street there in Disneyland, we waited and then the parade started and the dancers came and the characters and it was almost like their pin up pain of not knowing even if there was going to be a parade they danced with such joy and ferocious abandon they were all in and as the father when i watched the joy on the children's face i couldn't stop crying I'm not necessarily a big Disney guy, but to see their joy in the midst of pain, to see hope in the midst of their disillusionment, to see that light was still shining on them. It was so good. This is our story, isn't it, right now? We're wondering as a people, God, will there still be a parade today? Are you still coming Will you still protect us the way we thought you would protect us? With our, will our physical health hold up? Will our financial health make it? Will I have a job? Guy, will there be a parade? The word from Christ to you, the people of God today, is nothing can stop this king from coming. There's no amount of rain or disillusionment. There's no amount of pain. Jesus is coming. And those of us in faith know he's with us now. His spirit lives in us. And so may our faith increase. May we as the people of God say, this is the day the Lord has made. I will give thanks in the midst of not having any idea what the plans are. And this king has power. And I know even in pain, that power can teach me how to have greater faith. Increase our faith as his people. This is our hope and prayer. So happy Palm Sunday. The King is coming. May your faith grow. May your health be protected. Thank you for fighting for the health of our city. We love you, Jesus. Will you pray with us now? Lord God, thank you so much for this moment in time. Thank you in the midst of what we don't even understand that we can trust that you're still working. Thank you, God, that you're the high king of heaven. And so we cry out, Hosanna, save us, Lord. Deliver us from the evil one. Deliver us from the anxiety. Deliver us from the pain. Deliver us from COVID-19. God, protect the ones that are in our home. God, we pray your peace over people that are laboring in pain right now. We pray for those literally sick right now, literally driving to work right now. God, we we don't understand, but we're saying today the parade, nothing's gonna stop your parade from coming. Nothing. We're laying down our idols. We're laying down Our false gods, we're laying down the things we clung to and we're confessing that we have, we've made an idol out of an easy journey. It's not gonna be like that. So may there be a gift in this season as your faith can grow in us. And while we pray right now, I feel like the spirit of God is encouraging me. If you're somebody right now that doesn't even know where you're at in this story, you're not even sure who King Jesus is. We are entering into Holy Week. And as you're watching this video on your tablet or computer with roommates or family or alone at a later time, Jesus being the king of your heart is just, it's just a decision away. That in the stillness of your heart, you can say, Jesus, I want to follow you. I want to be at that parade. Jesus, help my unbelief. And if you want to join that parade, Jesus would say, you're welcome to follow me. Lord God, thank you for this time and place. Thank you for this church. We thank you as you grow our ministry around the world. This story is about your glory, your power, your authority. We're abandoned to that. And all God's people said, amen. Let's worship together.